Well, we have been in a series uh, for some time now. We know we've had some breaks. We had Thanksgiving, different things where we, in different places where we preach on different things. But we've had a series going on called Honoring God with Our Finances, or In Our Finances. I believe this is part five, so we're going to continue on that this morning. Matthew 6, 25, let's look at that. Matthew 6, 25, this is Jesus speaking. He said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, is that true? Aren't you more than what you wear? Yes, we are. More than what we eat? I mean, you know, people say you are what you eat. Well, okay, there's a truth there. On the other hand, you're not only what you eat. Thank God. You're not a chicken McNugget. <laughs> you know, if you want to get healthy. I mean, you're not an apple either or a salad. Thank God. No, we are more than that. This body is just something that we get around in. Uh, but it's not us. You guys okay? They just re- just, they'll get the video worked out, the scripture. I'll just go ahead and read this to you. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All right, let's read verse 31 again. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat and what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. So Jesus is saying, Look, look at the lilies, look at the birds, they're fed. And then he says, don't worry what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? All the things that we need for life. God knows what we need. 1 Samuel 2.30, the last part of that verse, it says, Those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You know, when we see that word despise, the way we use it, we think, yuck, like you despise Brussels sprouts or something. Brussels sprouts are good if they're cooked right. I learned that late in life. When we had Brussels sprouts, my brother can attest to this, growing up, I mean, they were soggy and they stunk. And if we smelled that, which wasn't a lot, but when we smelled that, I knew for me personally it was going to be a long night. (laughs) There were times, literally, I was there sitting in the kitchen table with one light over it, just, you know, because I wouldn't eat until 1030 at night. Finally, you know, you're stuffing it down, get it over with. Why just don't get it over with earlier? Anyway, but Brussels sprouts, if they're cooked right, they're actually good. Anyway, you may despise Brussels sprouts, you may like them. That's the way we think about it. You guys are with us, though. So despise, uh, often, in our, the way we use it, is I just, I just don't like it at all. That's not what this word means. Despise is, and you can see it in the rest of this verse, it says, those who despise me, God is saying this, shall be lightly esteemed. Despise means to lightly esteem. Despise means 
you don't really think much of it. You're like, eh, God, eh, his things, eh, this is cooler. That's what despise means. In the beginning of it, it says, those who honor me. What does honor mean? What does honor mean? You, you think highly of it. People honor all kinds of things. They think really highly. I'm not going to name anything. Because <laughs> there's all kinds of things. And you get legalistic. Well, I don't do that. Yeah, but what are we doing? He, God said, honor him. What, when you honor somebody, you, you hold them in high regard. God says, those who honor me, him, he will honor. If God honors you, if the Almighty honors you, what is, what is that? The highest power, the highest authority in the universe is honoring you. Well, see, a lot of people want that honor, but he said, if you honor me, I'll honor you. Those who despise me, yeah, some people are like, ugh, God, but a lot of people are like, eh, you've got better things to do. That's despising. They shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, God, he, it's not that his heart doesn't want to. His heart, the Bible said, God so loved the world that he gave. He's only begotten son. He loves the whole world, but we give him access into our life by what we do. We know this naturally, right? I mean, if you honor something in the natural, you give it your time and attention. You put your time and attention to it. Uh, there, there is uh, payback in those things. If you, you could say this. If you, uh, if you pour your, your attention and your ability into developing a certain skill, well, you may develop in that. But then somebody think, well, I just want to be able to do such and such like you. Well, have you ever tried? No. I mean, you've put hours and hours into it. Well, you know, unless you're just a prodigy, you're not going to move forward. We know that. And so it's with God, he's like, man, I, I want to help. But if we're like, eh, it's like you don't give him any access. Don't give him any time. And he said you'll be lightly esteemed. But if we honor him, we'll be honored. Let's look at Deuteronomy. So those are some verses that we've read kind of as a foundation. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8, 6 through 18. This morning. <clears throat> Read through this passage. It says, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Verse 7, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs, and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Now, this is talking about the promised land they're going to be going into. Sounds pretty good. Verse 10, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Verse 11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and, thirst, and thirsty land, where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, which he might, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. So he's saying, you're going to come into this, this promised land, this great land. You're going to have no lack. You're going to have everything built for you. And when you've built more and you're dwelling in houses and everything is going well, he said, be careful. You don't take your eyes off the Lord who did this for you and start saying, I did it. Amen. That would be looking away from him and starting to look naturally, which is what the majority of the world does. They're looking to themselves. But, oh, 
Don't ever say that can't happen to me. Solomon was the greatest king that ever walked the earth wiser. The Bible says so. He's wiser than anybody before him and after him. Of course, save Jesus, who was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But naturally speaking, he had everything. People came from everywhere to see his stuff and his wisdom and the way he did it. But later in life, he went away from God. But he was so wise to begin with. How could you start, how can you have such wisdom yet end up where you're basically a fool because you don't look to God? How can that happen? Because of relationship. You start pulling away from him and wisdom comes with relationship. And so as he, as he pulled away, he didn't see clearly anymore. And that's what the, the Lord here uh, in the Word is warning through Moses' warning uh, don't let that happen. Of course, they did. Just, they went all out. I mean, they walked away from God left and right and didn't do uh, what He would want to do. But He told them to begin with, don't do this. So He said, at the end that you say, my power and the might of my hand have gained this wealth. But verse 18, which is what I want to touch on, He said, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. But look at the next part. That He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So He said all this, don't go away from God. And then He said, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. Gives you the power to get wealth. How, why? To establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. In the CEV version, verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the strength to be prosperous in order to establish the covenant he made with your ancestors. And that's how things stand right now. So this is staying here. Look, remember the Lord. Remember that it's He who gives you the power to get wealth. Why? To establish the covenant, to confirm the covenant that was made prior. Now, we live in the new covenant. In this day and age, Jesus has come, but the purpose remains the same. God wants to prosper His people, but there is a reason why. Let's look at uh, Matthew 28, verse 19. Let's read a few of these verses. We're going to read them quick. We've covered them in the past. And I want to focus on this part uh, today. We spent a whole series call, uh, on um, the Great Commission. The series was called Commission. That's all available on our website and uh, YouTube and, and different places. Um, and you can go back and listen to it. But we are, as children of God, we have been commissioned to spread the gospel, to share the Word of God on the earth. That is our purpose here. One of our purposes here, of course, it's to worship God, but why we're still on earth doing it. Matthew 28, 19, let's just read a few of these verses. Matthew 28, 19 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. In Mark uh, 16, 15, it says, And He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Luke 24, 46 says, And He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary, for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So God has commissioned us to share His Word in the world. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. It says, And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So if we go back, let's read verse 18 again. It says, All this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. God has given who? Us. That's any, us as Christians, us as the family of God, the task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself and no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So that's part of our purpose on the earth, is to reconcile people to Him. That's why we're still here on the earth. Otherwise, we'd be, in, we'd be out of here. As Christians, there's no reason for us to be here other than there are people that still need to come into the family of God. Amen. Amen. And it's really say, well, you know, well, that's them. We got what we need. Uh, Imagine it like this. One of your beloved family members, let's say, you you know, was lost in, you, you were in visiting somewhere and somehow they got left behind through some situation and now you're somewhere else and they're left behind. Would you just want to go on with life without them or make sure they get home? Of course, the answer is you want them home. Well, God has children on the earth that are, on, that are, are going to be in the family of God that aren't yet. And so it's important to Him And if we love Him, it's important to us, and this is really why we're still here. And so that's part of our job here is to share the gospel. And that's in every area. So God is our source. We look to Him. We honor Him. We are to walk His plan for our lives out on the earth. So we're to be a part of a church. There is the church universal, but then there is a local body. We should be hooked up with somewhere in a local body of believers. We should know, now we've covered some of this, so we're not going to, we can't go back and and cover everything, you know, that we've already covered in the series and kind of piggybacking off the commission, but you can go back and listen to those, so that's why I'm reviewing. But we should know what we're called to do in a vocation. What is our part? What is our role? What should we be doing? Because not everybody has the same role. And we covered that. We spent a good amount of time there. But let's look really briefly. If you can go down to Romans 12, verse 3. We'll skip down a little bit. We'll come back. It says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Didn't say don't think highly, just don't think more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, clearly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function... So we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. So we're one body, but we have different functions. Spend a lot of time on that. But it's important with what we're talking about. We need to understand that we all have different roles. We all have different abilities. We all have different callings. We're all, as Christians, we're all on the same team. But we should not be looking at somebody else and go, oh, I really want to do that. Oh, how I wish I was gifted like that, or I had that ability or skill. That's just going to lead to heartache. It's going to lead to discouragement, or it's going to lead to pride and be like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not like them. Either way, whichever way we go, it's wrong, and it's just going to, it's going to end up uh, hurting us, hurting other people. Being, it just gives Satan a foothold. Either it gets you in pride, you know, depending on who you're looking at, you may think, 
You know, if it's pride, oh, I'm further, further, and then you say, see somebody that's way further, and you go, oh, I'm nothing. Well, either way, you're in the wrong place. What we need to do is go before God and say, Sir, Lord, what would, how do you want to use me? In the body of Christ. Okay, so we have a job. We have a mission. We're on a team. Where do I fit? And what am I good at? Because, you know, you don't want to be in the wrong position. We were talking about this, what was it, yesterday? We're not all good at everything. I mean, let's just be honest. You may think you are, but, you know, you just haven't bumped up somebody that's really good in that area. You know, little, little pond, big fish in a little pond. Uh, people that are just amazing in different areas. You just like you think you're decent at something, then you see what somebody can do in like 30 seconds where it's taken you four hours, and you're like, okay, I'll sit down now. <laughs> and so, you know, the Satan's crafty. He'll look and get you looking at the person that can do it in 30 seconds and go, man, you're nothing. Well, he's not going to show you the whole picture. If you just pulled the curtain back a little bit, you'd say, well, maybe there's some other things they're not so good in. I'll tell you, that's a fact because we're all human. None of us has it all together. That's why we have Jesus. Doesn't make an excuse. You don't go out and try to see how bad you can mess stuff up. If your heart's right before God, you're not doing that. But on the other hand, if you think, no, man, I'm just, I can handle it all, you're in a diff- you have a different problem. And, and some people, they, they got to have one of those. Some people just re- need to realize, man, you've you got limitations. Accept it. Let other people do some stuff. Other people just need to know, man, you have something to give because they're so beat down. They think they don't have anything. And they just look at everybody's strengths and they put themselves against everybody's strengths. That's a losing proposition. You are, and Satan will help you in that. And so you're looking at everybody's strengths and comparing against your complete person. You don't, you don't comp- and you don't need to compare anybody's complete person against you. That's just, that's wrong. But what we need to know is that there are differences, and it's not up to you to make the decision on what am I going to do. It's if, we're, if we truly are Christians and truly Jesus our Lord, then you're going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you may think, I, I think I can do this and this. I mean, it seems like I'm pretty good, but forget that. What do you want me to do? And if you say I can do it, I may say, What? You want me to, what? I think I could do this little, but okay. Not my will, but yours be done. That's humility. When you do something, you don't think you have the ability, but at God's word, you're going to do it. Well, that's humility. Well, if people are doing that, and you're all on the same team, and you're all doing that, well, we talked about this, spent some time in that, you got to find your role. Well, we talked about it in the, the, the context of finances, too. you got to find your role because people say, Oh, well, this seems to pay more. I'm going to do that. That's the wrong motivation. Don't do that. Go to God, and, and you got to know that if you follow Him, the, same, the, the Word of God is the same for everybody and will work for everybody. And so as we, we got to know that because otherwise you'll be tempted to say, well, if I'm over here, then it's going to work better. No, it's going to work best when you're in the place God has called you to what he's called you to do. And we spent some time talking about this. There's a lot that go on when we talk about the areas of finances. There's a lot of different facets. To this. It's not just all giving. It's not just all doing things like that. It's, it's, it's a whole attitude on how we handle our resources because it represents our life. It's just an outflow of our life. And so it all should be subordinate to Him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what can I do? How can I be a part of establishing your covenant on the earth of spreading the gospel? That's the key. Now let's read a little bit further here. Let's read verse 4 again. It says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So God gives you grace to do something. That's His ability. What, you, what He has graced you to do, uh, you can't make that up. You can't just add that to yourself. You might have some abilities, but you can't, you can't add the grace to do it. And so we want to be in line with the grace of God. Now he gives some examples. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. 
you know, like Shelly, she exhorts. That's encouraging. Do you think she's encouraging? I'm not, I mean, I know she's my wife, but she's an encouraging lady. And she gets up here, usually when she's preaching, I mean, it's, there's an, an exhortation there. She's gifted in that. That's a gift. It says it right here. Well, not everybody uh, is gifted along those lines. It comes real easy for her. But we have to look at what are we gifted to do. Verse 8, he who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberality. I may touch on that later. So there is a gift in giving, it, you know, a different from just normal. He who leads with diligence. Some people are gifted that way. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So just giving some examples of different parts that you can be gifted in. But we need to know then our place Know then what we're to do. Be part of a church. Be part of a local body. Say, oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm a Christian. I'm part of the body overall. Good. Well, we need to be part of a local body, somebody that we can rub shoulders with and know and, and be part of what God's doing in a certain area, a certain region. Then we need to know what we're, we're called to do uh, vocation-wise, where our place is to serve, and how is all this related so that we can spread the gospel so that we can be an influence. And so part of this then, in this context, is we are bringing our material part to help that as well. It's everything we have. All of our parts of our being, because that represents our life, how am I to be involved in getting the job done? Every Christian is called to do this and has a role and responsibility to do this. Some have, I mentioned it, some have special graces to give. I mean, they're called, they're, they're, they're um, in a, di- you know, they may be businessmen, they may be uh, di- in different areas where they, they are graced to do that. I've, I've heard of many people like that. They have ability to finance the gospel at a higher level. But, but there, are, there is giving that is equal. And for instance, the tithe. We'll talk about the tithe and offerings more. The tithe is equal. The tithe just means 10%, which is not special. It just means it's a proportion. So being able to be part of God's plan is the reason and purpose for paying tithes and giving offerings, which we'll talk about those things in more detail at a different time. But realizing we can become a partner with God in carrying out His will will bring great fulfillment and satisfaction mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It also opens the windows of heaven for an outpouring of material blessings. So us being a part of what God is doing on the earth brings satisfaction and it's in every area. Here's a, we read this before, but I'll just read this briefly. A prioritized list of purposes for giving that we should keep in mind. You don't have to write them down, but number one, we should give because we love God. We should give to God in obedience to His Word. We should give as a means to help carry out Christ's great commission. We should give because we want to see people blessed. We should give an expectancy, believing God to honor the promises in His Word to bless and to prosper us. So those in order. Number one, you love God. You want to obey Him. You want to be involved in the Great Commission. You want to see people blessed. And down the line, you should give an expectancy. But that's not the number one reason. So we all have a place. We all have a purpose. We all have a part in this, just like we do in all these other areas. Look at, let's look at Malachi, Malachi 3.10. Look, I want you to notice something specific here. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Notice what he said to begin with. Bring all the tithes, talking about specifically tithes there, but we'll talk more about that. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. 
nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. But notice the beginning of it. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What? That there may be food in my house. So now in this, when, in, in the Old Covenant, the tithes, and we'll talk more about this later, the tithes were brought into the storehouse. Why? So that there would be provision in what God was doing. So we're all called in different parts, but we come and we're called to share the gospel. One place we're doing that is with our local body doing something on the earth. We're saying, I'm called to do this role, this role, this role. But one thing I know is I'm called and hooked up so that we are a vehicle for moving things forward on the earth. And part of that is our resources financially. It's just what the Word of God teaches. And we all have different parts to play in that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul talking about some of these things. Praise the Lord. Paul says here, verse 1, Am I an apostle? Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? He's speaking these things because there's some people that basically were despising what he was doing. They're not esteeming it. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas, that's Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I have no, who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes... Now, he's, he's giving some examples. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. So he's given some examples. Well, because he's, he's stated to these people, what? So you're saying, I, 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 I can't eat and drink and take along a wife like you think these other people should, but I can't. And then he says, who goes to war at his own expense? Well, we know that. If we were to say, our soldiers. So this is talking about the, the parts, and as we're, if we're, um, we are called to establish the covenant of God on the earth. If we took our soldiers and sent them on a mission to a different country and said, "Oh, by the way, there, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you're gonna have to provide all your stuff over there. You go and get a, a local job." You figure out where you're going to make your supplies and get all the stuff there by yourself. You know, just, just work, uh, work it all up and figure out how to do it. That would look really rickety. That would be, I mean, it'd be like, what? That's, that's the best we can do is we're going to take our guys and we're going to say, hey, man, you got to go out. You're going to have to, to go out and hunt and shoot your dinner. And we're going to have you, we're going to have you like they used to make the, put the bullets together and all that. That'd be like, well, why are we sending them? Don't you want the soldiers to be like sharp and ready to do their job? Amen? Is that, I mean, is that, is that their role? I mean, when I think, you don't want some guy that thinks he's a soldier. You got a lot of them, you know, they're playing video games or something and they think they're all bad, but, you know, they couldn't, they, if they were in a real fight, it'd be all over. These guys that are professionals take them out before they even know what's happening. I saw a video of some guy walked into um, a convenience store. And so there's this dude that just shows, you know, they have this surveillance can, camera and um, it's from, like, let's say this is the counter and it's shooting down here and the dude's just waiting in line. And this guy comes behind him, he comes in the door and he's just walking right past this guy, comes in the door, and he's got a gun. He's going to hold up the thing, and he's walking by him. And this dude that was waiting in line is a veteran. 
And he walks past him. He sees he has the gun. He just took that thing and slammed him and had him and disarmed in like no time. The guy was like, another guy behind him is running out the door and they, they didn't know what hit him. This guy was trained. And when he saw that guy had a gun, he disarmed him so fast and put him in his place. I, mean, I watched it several times. It was really satisfying. <laughs> if you want, I'll send you the link. I have to go find it. But it was, it was like, yes. Dude, you thought you were going to come in. And the other guy behind him is like, yeah, he's running out. <laughs> he didn't the dude didn't have to think. His training's checking. You know, you don't, but you don't want the guy playing video games going, yeah, I'm ready to go toe-to-toe with the enemy. They will eat his lunch. <laughs> and pop the bag. No, you don't want that. You want the guys that they're spending their time, know, they, they know what they're doing. That's what we want our, our military sharp, right? You would expect that. You would expect they, they know. They're not, they're not part-time. Yeah, when you're putting something together for a, a while, I mean, you know, we had some militia and, and things when we we're just getting going, but hey, hey, we'll take care of this part. You guys just focus on that, and we're going we're gonna to give you the supplies. We're going to make sure you have what you need, so you are ready to defend us, because that's what we're talking about. That's what we're sending you for. We know that. And then he gives, so that's what Paul's talking about. He said, who gives, like, you know, who wants to sign up for the army? Well, how much money you got? You know, it cost us, you know, you're going to have to pay your own way. No. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? You know, who, who's, who's planting and working and then they don't, they don't get to enjoy it? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? That's what Paul's talking about. Verse 8, then, he says, do I say these things as a mere man or on my authority? In other words, is this my opinion? He said, or does the law, not the law, say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. In other words, if the, if the ox is working and treading out the grain, you let the ox eat whatever he sees eat to eat because you want him to do a good job. You don't say, hey, ox, I'm going you know, to put a, a muzzle over you so you can't eat even though you're doing all the work. And he said, is it oxen God is concerned about, or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope, hope being expectation, he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. What Paul is referring to is, he said, this is the way it ought to be, but actually, we're having to go somewhere else, and other people are, are helping us where you should, because, and we're just dealing with it because we just want to make sure the gospel is not hindered because he's focused on the gospel. Isn't that what he just said? To endure all things for the gospel of Christ, which is what all of us were on board saying, Lord, what's my part? Let's get her done. And he's saying, man, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm telling you this is the way it ought to be. But here, uh, I'm having to take, in our place he says, I'm having to just, other people are helping me because you're not, you're not helping he said, nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, that lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Verse 13, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? This is referring to like what Malachi was, saying, don't you know that the people that are ministering there, they partake of those things. That's why they're there. It's just part of that's part of the structure. Those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. In the Amplified, it says, verse 13, Do you not know that those who officiate in the sacred services of the temple eat from the temple offerings of meat and bread, and those who regularly attend the altar have their share from the offerings brought offerings brought to the altar. So also on the same principle, the Lord directed those who preach the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So he's talking about the overall structure. He's talking about 
Each of us is called to, to minister the gospel in, in a general way, excuse me, general way. But then we all come together and say, okay, Lord, this is the way it ought to happen. Lord, where do you want me? Where, what part do you want me to hook up with? Where's the local body of believers that you want me to hook up with? All right, so I'm part of that. You know, it's number one, a lot of people think they don't need a church. That's just not true. That's not what the Bible says. We're supposed to be hooked up. But then, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because, you know, if you're, you say, well, it could happen either way, but as, you're, um, as people get closer to God, then you're realizing, wait a minute, this is all about Him. All right, what do you want me to do? Okay, so then I'm saying, what, in the greater scheme of things, because people take, they start glorifying one part or the other and saying, oh, I really want to be this, or I really want to be that, whether it's, I really want to be in the ministry, and that's the best, no, or I really want to be an engineer, or I really want to be in business, or I really want to be a teacher, and they, they make this up in their mind when what it comes down to is, God, you're the chief, where do I fit so we can get this job done? And so, so we fit, and we decide with the help of God where to go there, and then we're saying, all right, now, with what I'm doing and I'm hooked up with, I want to make sure that we're doing everything we need to do and everybody has a different role in doing that and in supporting that. And then like Paul is saying, the part of that, if we're, if we're together and we're hooked up with a local body, a local family, then part of that is, we're going to make sure we're able to do everything we're called to do as a local body and serve the Lord and preach the gospel and move things forward for the kingdom of God. That's part of our role. Otherwise, what are we doing on the earth? It's not all that. See, people go in ditches in one or the other, like with everything. People have made... Because we're just we're looking at what the Word of God says concerning things because it's part of our life. But they go in one ditch or the other. There has been a lot of damage done in the body of Christ and in the world because people have overemphasized money and done bad things with money and they've misused money and they've made it like, give me money and it's really to enhance them personally. They, people have gone to jail for that. And what does that do? It makes it just gives a it gives a bad name to the body of Christ. It makes people suspicious. You understand that ministers in the ministry and the church used to have much more respect in culture, but now it's like you know people associate a lot of that because of all the damage that's been done because the culture is godless anyway. They have brought away. They have um, dismissed. It, people have dismissed God altogether, lumped it in with every other godless religion and just said, oh, you know, that's just a bunch of people just playing. Like it's a club, right? And people support their little club. And then you got people that have solicited funds and then they've done damage. They've done, they've used it to go buy themselves something. And so you got this over here. Then you have way on the other side, it doesn't matter at all. Don't talk about money. Don't talk about our role in that. And just, it just doesn't matter. Like, we're not supposed to do anything as a group. The Bible teaches that we have a role on the earth. It's part of what we're doing to preach the gospel. And there is a, a, a part that we have to support it. And so all of this, that's just part of our roles as Christians. And as we do it, there is satisfaction in that. And we're not answering to a person, we're answering to God and saying, Lord, where do I fit? I'm not looking to monetary things to determine how I fit or what somebody says or somebody's opinion. I'm looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, when I get before you, I want to know what the gifts and talents and abilities and resources you gave me. I did my job. If I'm a soldier... If I'm one of the ones that's working in the ministry, then, Lord, I did my job. If I'm one of the ones that's supposed to send, I'm doing my job. If I'm one of the ones that's supposed to design the artillery, then I did my job. If I'm a cook, 
then I did my job so that those men and women have everything they need. If that's the way I was looking at it in the military. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. It's no different. God has set up the church to be His vehicle to share the gospel and to change the world. And we all have a part. And there's no better part. There is only what God told you to do. And you're not going to be accountable for what God told somebody else to do. And you're not going to be accountable for... Somebody that did some idiotic thing on TV and, you know, uh, solicited a bunch of funds and did something wrong. I'm not going to be accountable for them and I'm not going to be accountable for what they said or didn't say. But if I let what they did mess up what I do, then I'm accountable for that. Just because there's people that do dumb stuff doesn't do away with the real. Just like people do dumb stuff in, this, in spiritual things. They get off inevitably. People get off in the ditch and do weird things, and then people start finding, you know, spiritually, there's the real, there's supernatural, there are gifts of spirit, gifts of the spirit, there are healings, but when people go off, there's prophecy, there's real prophecy, but when people go off it, and, and take a truth to an extreme, it becomes error. Any truth taken to an extreme becomes error. But what I mean, in the late 90s, people were talking so much about money that it, it pushed a lot of people away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it became to where everybody was talking about giving and all that, which is out of balance. If you want a good book on it, Brother Hagen wrote a book called uh, The Midas Touch. Not a lot of people know it, but Brother Hagen called a lot of leaders in the body of Christ, people that if I name names, that you would know, into Tulsa and had a conversation with them and said there was a lot of stuff going on and it's just not right, it's out of balance. And that book came out in response to a lot of this stuff that people were out of balance and it was doing damage to the body of Christ. And what you have then is a recoil from that to where people are like, eh, I'm kind of just going to sit in the signs I don't know because then they, they think of this name, this name, this name that they, they don't believe was right. What that is, is stealing from us to do our real job and to do it right. You can do things decently in order through and do what God said and, and, and uh, fill our role and be part of something great and good and go forward without either ditch. Amen. And sometimes the truth, and that's why we've covered things about <clears throat> in a tr balance some of these things, because it's not just. People sometimes act like giving is a lottery. Like if you just give, you're going to, you know, all of a sudden everything's going to change. That's part of it, and it ought, it's because it's honoring God, but it's not the only thing. You can go and give, you know, way beyond your means and just be in debt because you're not taking care of other things, because there's other things with stewardship, and that's why we've covered some of those things. But those aren't the only things either. If we don't do what God has called us to do and be balanced in it, then we won't be fulfilling what He's called us to do in general and in our role. Amen? Let's look down at Acts 6, verse 1. <clears throat> You know, when we preach these things, our heart is to preach what the Word says, not to only preach on things, not to bang on them, but to preach the balanced Word, not to shy away. Because you realize a lot of people shy away, won't talk about them at all because of all the damage that's been done. That doesn't help anybody either. And Brother Hagin said, you do as much damage not talking about these things at all as you do talking about them all the time. I don't know about you, but I want the truth. Do you want the truth? Acts 6, verse 1, it says, Now in those days, <clears throat> when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. <clears throat> so, they got a logistical issue. You know, they're saying, uh, the, you know, we're not getting, our, our widows aren't getting everything they need. Verse 2, then the twelve, the twelve apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. 
He's saying, we're not the ones that need to deal with this. In other words, we got a different role. If we deal with this, all you guys are going to suffer because we're not doing what we're doing. We need to do. It's like the soldier saying, oh, you guys, I got to go work at, name your you know, store. And I don't have time to work out, don't have time to train. And then I'm going out to battle and I'm subpar. That's what they're saying. They say, wait a minute, this is not what we should do. Not that they're superior. They have a role. And if you don't do your role, I mean, it'd be like the coach of a team going, eh, you know, I just, I like it more when I just work out with the team. But he's not looking at plays. He's not looking at strategy. And then he gets up there and he's more fit, but he doesn't know how to tell anybody what to do. And so what? The whole team's a wreck. And if the guy that's on the team is like, man, you know, I just love strategy. I just, I want to be a coach someday. So he quits working out. He quits knowing the actual plays, what they're doing. He shows up, doesn't know where to go, but he's like, but, but man, I know what the coach, I, I, I'm, I'm looking to the future. Yeah, but you're worthless now. And they're saying, this is not our job. This is not what we should do. See, some people have made it about there's a superiority in any area. It's not. It's about us working together and doing what the Lord told us to do. And we're accountable to Him. Be very careful about, you know, the, the devil's just so crafty. He'll try to get you to judge other people about what they're doing or not doing or, you know, how much or this. That's all pride. You know what I'm saying? Because then, you know, you just bump up against somebody that is bigger or does more, then, then what does that leave? No, we don't want to look at any of that. Verse 2, then the, the, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 3, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice he said, seek men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Well, I thought just the ministers should be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Some people would say. No, he said, find somebody that's full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and can take care of this business. In other words, they're full of God, they know what they're doing, but they're going to do this area. Guess what? We're all supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit, have wisdom, follow the word, word, love God, and do my job. And support what God's doing in every area. On the job, when you're at the supermarket, just whatever. So let's read verse 3 again. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. They said, this is my job. If I do this, then you're going to be able to do what you're called to do. Wouldn't be sad if the coach showed up and go, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have any plays. You guys got anything? You want to draw something on your hand? Dude, I thought, what have you been doing, coach? Well, I'm taking care. I mean, I've been taking care of the front office. It goes, it goes a multitude of ways. It said, we will give ourselves continually to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. Peter and John, the other disciples, you know, Apostle Paul later saying, This is what my focus is. But other guys going, This is what my focus is. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do. Where I, what I'm called to do so I can help you, so you can do what you're called to do, and vice versa. Do you see it goes both ways? If these guys, won't we'll see it in here in a minute, if these guys don't step in and do what they're called to do, the apostles have to do that job so they can't do what they're called to do, but then these guys aren't going to get built up and be able to do what they're called to do because the apostles are doing their stuff, and so they're not ready, they're not prepared, they, they, they're not praying, they're not studying, and so then they're the apostles, but they got nothing which affects everybody. You know, some people then they think, well, I want to be the apostle. If you're not called to be the apostle in this situation, then it's not going to help anybody. You're going to get up there. Nobody's going to get anything anyway. Maybe the apostle goes, try to do it. They're not good at that, so it just doesn't work. Who knows 
what we should do and how our abilities would best be suited. It's the Lord Jesus. And so in this area, when we're talking about what we do and then we bring our resources together, then we can get everything done the way it ought to be done. Look at what the next part is. So they said, we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. So they're like, that's a good idea. That makes sense. Let's do that. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Hey, Stephen, you are full of faith and the Holy Spirit. We're going to have you wait tables. See, people say, no. He is helping the whole organization go right. And if you look forward, he became an evangelist. Or no, Philip did. But he was used more. He became a martyr. Stephen did. But Philip became an evangelist. But they were all filled with the full of faith in the Holy Spirit. That is what we're all supposed to do. It's not that, oh, you're a spiritual one, so you get this job. And you know what? Don't ever dumb down what God has called you to do and be um, ashamed or apologetic or like, well, you know, this is what's spiritual or this is what's smart or this is what moves and shakes. Satan will work like that. Get us to disregard, despise, despise means to lightly esteem what God has called us to do instead of esteeming it and saying, as far as I know, this is what the Lord told me to do, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it right, and I'm not going to try to do what somebody else would do, but I'm going to make sure my space is taken and hold my head up high. Yeah, I may not do that, but I do this, and I do it well, and I, I, because at the end of the day, you don't report to anybody but the Lord Jesus. Now, you're accountable to the people around you, too. You're part of a group, and you want to be, hey, I'm doing my role. It's so obvious when somebody gets out of their role. We were just talking about it yesterday in a certain situation, you know, at at home. Uh, You can struggle to try to get something done when all you need is somebody that's actually gifted or have an ability in a certain area, and boom, it gets done. And when you're trying to work outside of your area, it just doesn't go well. Everybody else knows it. And so if we'll just just slot in and say, you know what, may have not been my first choice to do this, but hey, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to do what God said to do, and I'm going to make sure I'm helping the whole group to do the right thing and hold my head up high. Not in pride, but not feeling bad. Because look what happened when the people did this. So they say, we're going to, we got to find some people that are full of faith in the Holy Spirit that they can take care of this so that we can take care of this and we're all going to do well. So then they go and they choose people. Verse 5, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, said, here, these people were choosing. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Notice they laid hands on them to wait tables. People say, well, that's not spiritual to do something natural. It's getting the whole thing done. It is spiritual. How can it not be spiritual when God, who is a spirit, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, asked you to do it? If he asked me to clean the toilet, then I'm going to do it spiritually. Full of faith, with whatever cleaning products that I can use, that's going to make it easier. But I'm going to do it. And who said, well, who, who asked you to do this? Man, you're just a toilet cleaner. The Lord Jesus asked me to do it. You've got to be sassy about it, but it's like, you know, when the devil does that to you, just get sassy with him. Shut up. I'm doing my job. And I'm helping the gospel to go forward. And we all have a role here. We all have a, a role to bring our resources together and get it done. Verse 6, when they sat, when they sat, they, so they set them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests 
were obedient to the faith. What happened when people got in their role and did what they were called to do and supported what was going on? The Word of God spread. It multiplied. Amen. Amen. We all have that role. We all have something. We all, all are called to bring our resources. If, I'm, if, if, if there's somebody out in business doing something, they are called to bring those resources. If there's somebody called ministry, they're called to bring those resources. If there's somebody that's called to be an engineer, they're called to bring their talents, resources. Everybody has the same thing. They're not the same exact role, but we have the same ability and responsibility to help what God is doing and what He's called us to do. And we have the responsibility to hear from God to go to the right place that He's telling us to do. We don't put that off on somebody else. We say, Lord, where would you have me to go? What, where am I going to get fed? Where am I going to hook up? Where am I going to be um, equipped to do what I'm called to do? Because there's not five places like that in any given time in our life, there's a place that I'm going to be with the right set of people that's going to help me to get, run my race, that I'm going to get what I need, that my children are going to get what they, I need, and I'm going to be able to run in what He has for me because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Amen.